everybody. Welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. We are so glad to be coming at you for uh, the third and final episode of Murder Among the Mormons, a Netflix limited series, uh, true crime set in the 80s, time of big lapels and bouffant hairdos. And that's just the men. And mustaches. <laughs> and that's, yes. <laughs> hey, Ryan, what else you watching? Anything interesting? Trying to work through the Snyder Cut on HBO. That's a tough go. <laughs> Watched My Octopus Teacher last night with my wife. My mom has been singing the praises of that. It's very good. You'll never eat pulpo again. <laughs> okay. No, it's it's quite remarkable and just examining and and I would love to put you in conversation with this with one of the subjects of the film, the human. Uh, uh, I won't g- give any spoilers about The Octopus, but it's a really beautiful film, undeniably, just from the cinematography, spending so much time in a part of the earth that most of us never mm-hmm. spend time in, swimming among kelp forests and looking at all these fascinating creatures, but of situating a human in in nature. Mm-hmm. And I think you would find that very interesting because you yourself spend a lot of time in nature. and Not underwater is so much. No, I, I understand. <laughs> That's fine. But also in the way in which that shapes the way you think about, I don't know, for lack of a better word, the cosmos, right? And humanity's relationship with and to non-humans, non-human species. So I think you'll find it really interesting. It's definitely worth a watch. It's beautiful. You learn stuff Mm -hmm. about, I mean, I knew, you know, that the octopus was a a highly intelligent creature, but just how much so, it's it's really fascinating And, and the way in which. It moves in its environment and hunts and hides and all these things. It's just, it's fascinating stuff. All right. I'll watch it. And really interesting too, just as an aside, observing the industry from the perspective that I have, all of this money that Apple and A24 spent marketing Boy State, the idea that like that could be Mm -hmm. an Oscar contender. And here's this little film, My Octopus Teacher. Netflix hardly marketed it at all. Like it's Mm -hmm. no posters, you know, no commercials or anything and it comes mm-hmm. out with an oscar nomination for best documentary so yeah i there's still even in the internet age man there is still nothing that compares to word of mouth advertising or marketing i mean if you get people talking about a cultural artifact be it a book or a podcast or a film or a tv show other people watch it i mean for sure it's funny because like that's why I watched the last blockbuster, which I talked about last week on the show, because I'd seen so many tweets about it. People who were like in my, you know, general world were tweeting about it and stuff. And then of course Netflix, you know, promoted it to me when I logged in. So I was like, well, yeah, I mean, seems right up my alley, and then super disappointing. But, you know, like Murder Among the Mormons, like I said, my mom watched it because it Netflix just served it up to her and she's not super great at navigating all the Netflix, you know, menus and she doesn't like build a list or a queue or whatever. So stuff just pops up. She's like, yeah, I'll watch this next. And, you know, really loved it. So there's obviously technology is spinning some of this too, but I think you bring up a great point about, you know, word of mouth and people talking about stuff. And and still, I think there's still space for, the little low budget deal that breaks through. You watching anything or did you watch anything this last week that stood out to you? 
Nah, nothing, you know, nothing. My own personal watch is Last Chance U Basketball. And then the couple's watch that Courtney and I are watching, in, in addition to Murder Among the Mormons, is Shit's Creek. We just finished season three. Yes. So, yeah, you know, we sit down every night and we look at each other and we do one of three things after dinner. We either say we're not going to watch anything. Let's go upstairs and read. We say, let's watch something challenging, like Murder Among the Mormons, for instance, would be considered challenging just because it deals with darker themes, you know? Or let's watch something funny like Schitt's Creek. So pretty much every night, it's one of those three, unless Courtney has book club or something else, you know? It's not like we're going out to bars. (laughs) You're doing anything. But we'll be fully vaxxed within a couple weeks, and then... You got your first jab? I did, yeah. Nice. Life will change. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody have a good week. Thanks. That's a quick episode for you. (laughs) Hey, Murder Among the Mormons, you know, they didn't, there wasn't much of a cliffhanger in at the end of episode two. Okay. Let me step back and say this. I've been doing a lot of reading about story structure, like absorbed with it, probably six hours already today. I've spent reading about the hero's journey. I'm trying to format a novel that I'm writing, not the novel you're reading, but the sequel to that novel along the hero's journey. And also like, how does a hero's journey work with the three act structure? The novel that I've given you to read is, is in the three act structure. And, and, you know, here's a, a three part series that really lends itself to that three act structure. I don't know that they thought of it that way. I would have, you know, you you know by the end of episode two who did the murders. I and I know you thought episode two kind of dragged. I thought episode three kind of dragged because it wasn't super visually interesting. It was a lot of audio tape of his confession. And then, you know, they're just trying to fill the screen. Obviously, the audio tape of his confession is freaking fascinating yeah because you just realize the guy is a sociopath yeah but i I did think at times like this would have been a great podcast (laughs) as opposed to a television this would be a great feature film oh like uh like Like uh, actors and stuff I, i was quite intrigued by this episode in ways that i wasn't expecting so i think that may be something that they were going for Although they didn't spend a ton of time talking about, I guess, the philosophy or maybe the ethics or the theology even behind it. But this idea of truth and reality, it felt like in 85 here we had this kind of proto-Trumpist QAnon crew, person, right, who is forging these documents, creating a narrative that pushes back against the church being being something of an antagonist to the, to the Mormon community, it, it, at least in his own mind, but people's susceptibility to those narratives yeah. and to to those documents that they needed to be true, right or authentic, I should say, yeah, and what legitimacy that lent their belief system and in their own life. You know, I, I on a previous call today, I was talking to some friends about this new concept of nfts i don't know if you're familiar with this yeah it's just everywhere you know and what that means about and reflecting in my own experience of collecting baseball cards when i was a kid and how similar (sighs) and different that is and also how that intersects with 
these religious documents in this series. So I, I thought that was quite interesting, but mm. At, mm. more as a provocation, but less as something as a fully realized theme in the series. But of course, you're not going to go into a two hour discussion about these things in a true crime drama. So no, but I think you're right. Some of this stuff could have been teased out a little more than it was because we've got a couple different threads running through this final episode. One is we do get the killer's backstory, you know, and he talks about how he first started. Well, you you hear one of his former colleagues say he, he told me he became an atheist at age 14 which is an interesting reveal. Yes. That in high school, he'd become an atheist, and yet he's like moving around in this very, very religious world of the Church of Latter-day Saints. But then you get this thing from Mark Hoffman where he says, as far back as I can remember, I have liked to impress people through my deceptions. And he talks about being 12 years old and collecting coins and then falsely aging them and basically... Got, got a certificate from the U.S. Treasury Department pronouncing his forged pennies were actually as old as he said they were. I mean, and then he then there's this quote, Ryan, it's not so much what is genuine and what isn't as what people believe is this genuine. Is, this, is our, this is our culture. This is the moment. Yeah, so this was exactly like this is, th- this goes back to stuff you and I have talked about previously uh like jean baudrillard right. and, and uh, even in wandavision the the creation of false worlds that become real to the people who created them more real than yeah. the real world you know this is what baudrillard said about the disneyland was uh, more real than the world it copied which actually the america it was trying to copy actually never existed there was no there was never any idyllic 1950s America. Same with WandaVision. Like that world she created never existed. And here this guy, in a much more devious sense, is creating artifacts that actually never existed and people are buying them. He's then, you know, he starts printing documents, having plates made so he can make copies of documents for which there are no originals or no originals exist. He's learning how to sign letters like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. He's hand, you know, teaching himself this calligraphy. The guy is obviously extraordinarily bright and disciplined and very, very twisted. But what we don't get, Ryan, what we don't get is his desire to deceive people, the Mormon church's desire for people to believe things, right? And how these two came in conflict, maybe the genesis of all that in his own father, a very strict Mormon who, you know, would in some ways they they hint at was probably abusive of, of Mark Hoffman. I think you're exactly right. I was going to say the same thing about that relationship with the father being a source of some of this, perhaps with his frustration with the church. Also, somebody who is oh, I don't want to get myself in trouble by saying this because there are bright people everywhere, but somebody who's that bright, and I mean, the techniques that he uses to age these documents, to create and age yeah. these documents, are brilliant, right? Like Shannon Flynn in, this, in well, the episode yeah. says, 
don't make me talk about him in that way because I don't want to make him a hero. And then he goes on to talk about him that way. Like the greatest he goes on to talk about him. <laughs> and I want to and I want to watch that film. Yeah, like this guy was so magnetic in his personality. But dude, but look, Ryan, have you ever read the the document from the Unabomber? No. I mean, the guy was freaking yeah. brilliant. But also, and what I wanted to say is that somebody like Mark Hoffman, who is so smart and so brilliant, but with a penchant to deceive people, I mean, maybe he looks at Mormonism and is like, nah, you know, this is... I mean, I don't know what else he has to think if he's setting out... He says in the series, right, or in, in one of the tapes, you know, I set out to change Mormon history, which wouldn't be that hard to do because how big is the history? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's like 300 yeah. years old. Yeah, you know, you're right. Although you don't, again, it, it's not really pursued that much because he didn't agree to be interviewed. So we don't know inside the mind of a killer like we do on some other shows or other podcasts or whatever where we get the jailhouse confession. We don't know if he just likes screwing around with people or if he really was like trying to do damage to the Church of Latter-day Saints because he thought that their beliefs were deceptive and so only by his own deceptive treachery could he cause other people to doubt and leave the church you know we don't know that we, we don't well, we get do that have a, from him we do have a pretty clear sense of his lack of empathy or his disconnect from any sort of yeah. moral compass i mean he seems to be oh, rewriting yeah. morality as he goes right i mean he's he's like no a, the sheets bomb uh, was a diversion and that was just wrong place wrong time i mean completely devoid of any sort of responsibility for the pain and suffering of the family members who were left behind because his yeah. argument that his 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 defense that the victims are no longer suffering i just i looked at amy and just said oh my jesus <laughs> like <laughs> i know i know courtney did the same thing courtney do you think he was trying to actually kill himself or he seems like he was too smart to blow up a car bomb in his own car and not jump out a window yeah i think he was trying to divert attention from himself by making himself look like a victim even if it's you know there are enough movies where we see the hero, you know, shoot himself in the foot so that he'd have an alibi and say he was shot at or something like that. I think I mean, we're there's... all at some point in that episode, we're all the interviewers who are just completely incredulous at the responses he's giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, can can we, we'll get, let's get back to him at, before we wrap up. I did want to just bring out a couple things. One is I absolutely love, I mean, last week I talked about one of the, investigators michael george i really love this guy jerry delia he's like yes he's just the non-mormon handlebar mustache couldn't give a shit (laughs) just calls it like he sees it but what i really want to ask you about or, or mention that that i found compelling was the contrast between mark hoffman's ex-wife dory Mm -hmm. who is flat emotionally flat but compare her with Brent Metcalf, mm. who in this third episode gets emotional, oh, yeah. feels guilt Complicity and remorse, even. feels like it should have been him instead of Steve Christensen mm-hmm. who died. You know, weeping basically, weeping and grieving over the death of his friend Steve Christensen 
although of course he's not, you know, he what he's beating himself up for is the fact that this psychotic killer had pulled the wool over his eyes. And, you know, they're, of course, showing vintage video of him on TV defending Mark Hoffman and saying, I don't think Mark Hoffman had anything to do with this. Shannon Flynn, they also have on there, but he doesn't, I mean, he's more just an odd character. Very. But Brent Metcalf straight up is just heartbroken 30 years later that this happened and he didn't see it before. I want the Shannon Flynn story. Let me tell you, you you bring up three things here, Tony, that I I think are perspectives to take when something like this happens, or at least when we reflect on a tragedy like this. So Mark's ex-wife consistently says, I didn't know. How could I have known? First off, I I guess I'm going to try to line up some questions here. Maybe you can answer them in order. Do you believe her? Number one. Number two, you have someone like Shannon Flynn who says, reflecting upon the whole situation or the the, the scenario, we didn't want to know, which implies that right. maybe you did know or should have known, number two. Yeah. And then maybe on that spectrum, you have this third perspective. Brent Metcalf. Brent Metcalf, thank you, who is completely and totally torn apart, like did not know, could not have known afraid that he's complicit in these tragedies and uh, mm-hmm. is, is feeling this enormous amount of guilt by what has happened. So I think those are three interesting perspectives mm-hmm. to take mm-hmm. on Mark mm-hmm. Hoffman and what he did. So I guess, mm-hmm. first off, do we, I, I believe Brent Metcalf. He feels like someone who's completely and totally duped. Shannon Flynn in episode two is firing off an Uzi. Yeah. Mark Hoffman's ex-wife was living with yeah. him and had a, a room that she didn't have access to in her own house. Do we think that she ever opened the door to that room? Like, you know, Ryan, I couldn't help but think when I'm watching that Mark Hoffman has this room. It's like Handmaid's Tale. There's a room that women can't go in, in the house, in Handmaid's Tale. Remember that? And I guess you may be right, Tony. Like, what does that say about that faith community where she's like, okay. That's what Courtney said. And I think if Jana were on here, she might push back against us if we were to say that that kind of Mormon life, at least in those days, had a numbing type of effect on the women Mm. involved in that world. And, you know, I think Jana would even say that, you know, women have come a long way in the Mormon church as they have in the evangelical church and the mainline church in the last 30 years. You know, 30 years ago was a lot different in in all those faith communities. Mormonism is not unique in that regard. But you just see that old vintage footage of, of, you know, Mark Hoffman's shot of Dory when she was, she looks like she's 20 years old and she's got two kids on her lap, you know, two, a toddler and an infant. Maybe she didn't know because she was just a girl herself, you know, and Mark Hoffman really pulled the wool over her eyes. I don't know, but I... I think that of those three, you're right. I love that that spectrum you're talking about. You've got Dory on the one end, one pole, who seems pretty out of touch with her own involvement, maybe even complicity in it, if, in, insofar as she was living with a guy who was basically forging these documents in massive amounts of debt, you know, et cetera. You got Shannon Flynn kind of in the middle, who's like, this guy... This guy was 
a crazy killer, but I still kind of admire him <laughs> because he was so good at it. And then you've got Brent Metcalf, who is like really grieving over the fact that he didn't do anything more about it. And here, 30 years later, he still sheds tears over the death of his friend, you know? So yeah, I, I think I like that. I like that we had these three different perspectives on it. And I wonder if we, you know, looked back on some of the other stuff you and I've talked about, like the OJ trial or other, you know, real crime things and, and look back and say, they're different characters along the way who also responded very differently to, to these murders. Yeah, that's a, and just a kind of the natural reaction to to a extreme situation like that, maybe I, you know, one of the other things about this episode is I felt myself wondering, and I don't think, and and maybe I missed it, uh, but I didn't think it did such a great job of presenting to what extent, how, where, and to whom Mark Hoffman was in debt. Like it was like things are falling apart. Like he, like who, who does yeah. he? Is there a Mormon church mafia that's going to come break his well, legs if he doesn't pay? I mean, one of the cops basically, one of the cops used the term Ponzi scheme. Yes. Meaning your he boy. was yeah. taking money, you know, he was taking money meant for one document and use it to buy the next document. So he was always one or two documents. But who who does he owe behind, money to and what are they going to do to him? What's he afraid of? Document collectors. Document collectors. And then, you know, supposedly the LDS church was going to write him a check for $300,000 that was going to solve all of his problems, you know? But this is, in this way, he fits an archetype, right, of the the guy who goes to play poker one more night. Like, this is the night I'm going to earn everything back and pay off all the guys who want to break It's like me when I go to the casino, baby. (laughs) Yeah, so I think it wasn't just the LDS church. I think it was document collectors. I think it was that guy in New York. I think... You know, he was robbing Peter to pay Paul. No, I, and yeah, I understand that. Caught just, up with him. I guess it's more of my thinking about, do, oh, document collectors. They're so scary. Like, <laughs> right. Well, this is, I mean, you get this from Who, some of the, the heavy. You, you get this from some of the interviews because they'll say things like, you know, who, yeah, when I got into this, uh, you know, rare coin collecting i didn't think it was oh tony to this, we have to talk about know? one last thing one other perspective to take on this al rust yes yes how beautiful is that <sighs> this guy's broken his life's ruined and he says he calls up his dad and he says i'm not gonna waste one more second of my life on this guy i thought oh what gosh. a model like the one one thing i would take away that was amazing is this person who is who has found the strength the interior strength the spiritual strength to turn the page even though 30 years later you know He's still deeply yeah. emotional about that whole experience, but he's. I, I would love to know more about what he got up to after that, how he kind of managed yeah. to rebuild his life. Yeah, I mean, that that is a guy who went through something terrible, and he was just like, I'm not going to let this I, define I me. I loved that. What a sweet guy. I lost everything because like, he was one of those guys, you know, he had fronted a bunch of money yeah. to Mark Hoffman, and then it just it just disappeared. That money was gone because Hoffman had spent it, yep. you know, buying other stuff. Didn't get and it back. Then Hoffman goes yep. to prison. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this final question. I saw Richard Branson tweet okay. this week saying that he had joined a coalition of the world's wealthiest business people 
trying to ban the death penalty worldwide, that this was going to become an, a major issue for him in the you know last chapter yeah. of his life. We've talked about the death penalty on here before. Here's a case where this guy would have gotten the death penalty in Utah, except that he cooperated with police and just basically told them everything. And that's why we have these confession tapes on which the third episode was largely based. I think I know the answer to this, but it, it bears asking, do you think this guy, I mean, as we think about the pictures, you know, the, the slideshow of him through the years in prison, his official prison photo as the credits roll. That was wild. And you see, yeah, wild yeah. and creepy. And he looks more and more psychotic. I mean, I, I can't imagine prison is, a, you know, <laughs> is helping mental his health. mental state. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, should he have no. died? Should he have been no. executed? Should the person be executed that shot up the grocery store in Boulder yesterday? I don't know. Does Colorado have the death penalty? Yeah, I, think I would does. abolish the death penalty worldwide for sure. And also a complete overhaul. Yeah. We've talked about this before. We've got people in prison who have no business being there. People on death row who should just be in prison for life. So, yeah. yeah. No, I don't think he should have. But I mean, my problem with the death penalty is that I just don't trust the state with that decision. Yeah. I don't trust I don't trust the state to make the decision of whether someone's life should be taken over something like, you know, that, that it, it's I don't know that I disagree with the death penalty on a more on actually on moral grounds. I think yeah. I do, but I for sure I'm opposed to the government, our government being the ones who decide. But there's no, well, you know, what other authority yeah. is We've there? already it's, seen, we don't want the church doing it. We've already right. seen, and, and we know too many accounts where it's, it's put somebody's on death row that should not be there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so there's that, there, our inability to ever know the fullness of any given situation. I think that's a Marjorie Suhaki quote, right? Mm, yeah, that's good. And then on top of that, the idea of, I mean, think about the way we often practice it, right? The idea of tying someone down to a bed and injecting them yeah. with poison. I mean, I, I'm reading your novel. We might as well be in Rome. Like, it's die. barbaric. <laughs> yeah, it's barbaric. So They found a lot of ways to kill people. To kill people. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and that's a moral thing. And so, But I appreciate and understand you're, you're leaving that kind of open-ended. Yeah. Um, but I was glad to see that he was still in prison. So, mm. Mm. because I do think he is, as you corrected me last night, he is a sociopath. There is a there is a disconnect there. Yeah, and I yeah. think he needs to be set apart. Well, he is set apart. Yeah, yeah, yep. Well, these are tough questions. But wow, what an ending! What are we gonna watch next? I feel like we should watch Ducktales season one, just lighter <laughs> fare. Great you know, cast. I know I live in Minnesota, but I keep getting the the Mighty Ducks reboot ads in all my social media feeds. I hey hey, can I tell you a show that I saw a little buzz about on Twitter, and sure. it's a hockey show, a small town Swedish hockey drama called Bear Town. Maybe like six to eight episodes is this, is this, on HBO is this Max. A movie? No, I think it's a limited series on oh, HBO okay, okay. Max. I don't know. It's it's kind of your world. I think we should check that out. Maybe. All right, we'll check it out. There's a there's a hockey movie on Hulu right now too that I 
Corny and I watched the preview of, and it did not look super promising. Okay, is it like a thriller or something, or is it based on the trailer? No, it's like a, it's like a teen romance. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'll send yeah. you a link to it. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks everybody. We have no idea what's next, obviously, but we really appreciate you watching. Uh, I mean, watching Murder Among the Mormons and listening to us talk it through. And we will be back very soon with a new show. And you'll know it because if you subscribe to this feed, which we hope you do, it'll just pop right into your podcast app. We'd love it if you gave us a rating. You'll also feel it in the universe. <laughs> yeah, rating, review, and subscribe and like and share all the things that all the things podcasts get oxygen in this oxygen depleted and podcast environment. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Take care. Talk to you soon. <laughs>